Welcome to the Health Lab. I am your host, Joel Bland, occupational therapist. Today's episode features Brian Statham. Brian is the president and CEO of Life Booster. Life Booster is an organization that provides wearable technology in order to map out potential areas of musculoskeletal injury and essentially mitigate injury risk. I'm not going to get into too much detail about it. I'll let Brian explain it, but I want to talk to Brian about what Life Booster is, who it's for, and how it can really help to eliminate workplace injuries. So let's get down to business. Brian Statham, thanks so much for joining me in the Health Lab. Hey, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Great. Great to have you. And well, I, I want to talk about Life Booster. And rather than me go ahead and try to explain it and potentially butcher it and not doing any justice, um, why don't you just just tell us what Life Booster is, what the product is, what the service is, and 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 who it's for? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Life Booster, we are a Vancouver-based health and safety risk analytics company. Uh, that's true to the core of our business. And we've developed a connected worker platform that integrates different types of wearable technologies and advanced data analytics uh, to allow us to identify, assess, and understand uh, risks and exposures in the workplace so that we can give health and safety professionals uh, timely information so that they can prevent injuries before they occur. And so we're working with organizations uh, across the industrial sectors, uh, everything from manufacturing, warehousing, utilities, healthcare, you name it, uh, transportation. We're helping those organizations out, everything from your local um, utilities companies to global organizations, uh, Fortune 100 companies. Um, and so what we do is we provide a wearable solution and uh, we're focused on musculoskeletal disorders right now. So the back strains, tendonitis, shoulder injuries, things like that. It's one of the most prominent injuries in the workplace. So focusing there seemed like the right place. They're really quite difficult to understand why they occur, right? You know, mm -hmm. these are, they typically, it's general wear and tear on the body. And so right. what we want to provide is a means to identify uh, the root cause, what's leading to these injuries, the trends that lead to them. So that we can build out better training programs, uh, better job rotation, modified duties, return to work programs, uh, anything that can look at the ergonomics of the individual and the, the, the processes within the company. Um, so that we can really use a data-driven approach to reduce the prevalence of and severity of these, these injuries. Very cool. Very, very cool. So you're mapping out an individual's posture or body movements in time and then analyzing it later on. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're using uh, a suite of sensors that are placed around the body. So we believe uh, one of the things that we talk about is geometry matters, right? Knowing where the hands are in space, where the, the shoulder is placed, what the posture of the spine is, the whole body is connected, right? It's that right. old, the old song. Uh, the hip bones connected to the leg bone, right? So that's what we're trying to really accomplish here is understanding that the body is a system. And so using a multi-point sensor system, sensors on the forearms, the upper arms, the upper back, the hip, allows us to create uh, you know, a 3D representation of the individual. So we can analyze their postures, the overexertion, the repetitive strain on the body, um, and then give a really detailed analysis of the 
risks and exposures that are occurring, whether it be behavioral or, or process driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those, those sensors, they're neat. And I liken it to, I liken it to, so I've, I've got a friend who works for EA electronic arts. Okay. And so he, he's in, you know, he's a tech guy, but he's also a soccer player. And he's yeah. actually one of the individuals who they hook these sensors up to um, and they map out his body when he's doing soccer moves. And then they go and use that, I guess, body mapping sensor technology to go and input that soccer move into the actual, you know, FIFA 2020 into those yeah. soccer games. Is, is, yeah. that, is that similar? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're actually using gaming technology for the 3D animation that's in our platform. So instead of just providing you know, data and graphs and things like that. We wanted to provide a more immersive experience where you actually have a visualization of the individual in a 3D avatar, if you will. Uh, so very similar to, to your buddy's experience there with EA, where they are mapping out his specific movements so that they can put that in the, the video games. Right, right. Interesting. So that's, is that, is that kind of where, or how did, how did, how did that idea come to fruition? Is that where it came from, from looking at that technology that's used in say video gaming systems or, or who came up with the idea? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so actually the, the company started off as a corporate wellness company. Uh, we were trying to look at the ability to measure, you know, health, and productivity and encourage people to live healthier lifestyles. Uh, this is back when wearables weren't really a thing. Uh, this is early 2010s. And uh, from there, you know, just through a lot of customer discovery and market validation, as well as my background in health and safety, uh, the company transitioned to focus in on health and safety and, and looking at how can we use digital technologies to really you know, take a more proactive approach instead of so, focusing so much on the lagging indicators, those injury rates. We wanted to find a way to get ahead of that mm-hmm. and give the health and safety professionals the ability to know what are the risks happening right now in their workplace. And so when we look at the actual technology for, for motion capture, uh, we targeted the number one uh, injury uh, in the workplace common across the industries we were targeting, which were the musculoskeletal disorders. And what better way to, to monitor, you know, the, the risk associated than with motion capture sensors. And then that, knowing that you can map the data from that's captured from those sensors to a 3D animation and create that, that's exactly where we started going. He said, this is gonna be way more engaging for our client base and useful as well, because uh, as you will know, having eyes on all the time is extremely hard. So we can provide that visibility, whether someone's in a confined space or they're out in the field, they're a remote worker, uh, giving that, that uh, visual element is really an important aspect to scaling uh, the visibility and, and uh, capabilities of an ergonomic assessment. Uh, no, that's, that's excellent. And like you said, having, having eyes on is, you know, it's beneficial, but there are limitations to that. I mean, I go and consult with large workplaces all the time. And I might be there for, you know, one hour, two hour, three hour, three hours, four hours. And, you know, you can only see so much and extrapolate so much about the postures and, um, you know, the, the job demands in general, the physical job demands from having eyes on someone for such a fraction of a period of their actual work week or work month. But it sounds like hooking them up to these sensors, you can really actually get the whole gamut, the whole picture of exactly what they're doing and, and when they're doing it as well. 
That's right. Yeah. And that's, and that's a big piece, right? When we're looking at, you know, the, the risks associated with varied work, right? You can go in and do a, a visual audit on somebody, but maybe you're only capturing 15 minutes or 45 minutes if you're spending more time with an individual. Uh, but what's happening before that? What's happening at the end of the day? And we were speaking with a, a global manufacturer or food producer rather. And um, what they had said was they had delivery drivers, dis distribution going out. And uh, one of the individual workers, he, he got injured. When they did the survey, it's, he was saying, oh, it happened at this facility at the end of the day. But in fact, once they figured out that he was delivering to a, an unsafe work environment in one of the first facilities on his route, that's when they realized, okay, we can't rely wholly on the survey. We have to be able to do these investigations, but we have to understand what are the risk factors that you know, maybe led to the initial strain in his shoulder mm -hmm. uh, and then it manifested itself later on. So being able to identify truly where those risks are across the day is an important uh, element to this. Wow. So yeah, again, really getting that broad picture of an Absolutely. potential underlying cause or something that might have led or exacerbated an injury. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. It was interesting because like that day I just, uh, I was barbecuing and uh, I had done a workout in the morning and pushed a little bit harder. And then as I was moving the barbecue, that's when I felt this little tweak in my back. And I was like, I know it's not from moving that barbecue. I've done it so many times before, but I associate my injury with lifting the barbecue. But it was from the fatigued or uh, uh, muscles in my lower back that actually had, uh, had, had you know, led to and, and the injury manifested it later on in the day. So it's from um, the workout. So Interesting. Good to know. And I'm, I'm an avid barbecuer as well. And <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I've had a few shoulder strains and singed eyebrows from, from doing just the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned taking more of a proactive approach to injury mitigation. And I really like that. And I think, I think that's a bit of a, let's say flaw in healthcare in general, in that it's so reactive as opposed to proactive, but it, it makes sense though, because I mean, you know, I'm not going to present to the hospital if I'm, you know, feeling a okay, 100% just fine. Um, but you know, taking that proactive approach to make sure that people do not get injured or do not get unwell can actually be a lot more cost effective in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, it, and it, and cost effective comes in so many different ways, emotionally, physically, financially. I mean, it's, it's just, it spreads the gamut because as you know, there's so many secondary effects that come with these injuries. It's costly, but um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, that was that was a big part of our focus was to really provide the information to be more proactive because if we can get ahead and understand that this this motion or this task uh, if it's continued over an extended period of time could lead to say rotator cuff injury or the like or tendonitis uh, we can start to build out the risk mitigation strategies to prevent that from happening and at least make the the workers experience that much better right and uh, because it's not just the cost for the company is the cost for the worker. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, some of those secondary effects, you get injured, you can't work, you can't do your activities of daily living, and then maybe totally. you get depressed, anxiety, what have you. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It, I mm -hmm. mean, it's it all tied in. There's actually a lot of research being done right now around uh, the connectedness of musculoskeletal uh, disorders, injuries, and mental health, right? I mean, they're, they're very closely tied in a lot of ways. And 
um, a very interesting area that we're looking at uh, on our side and uh, have been having some interesting conversations as well with uh, different uh, third-party service providers. Very cool. We'll be interested to hear more about that as it develops. Absolutely. Now, can you, okay, obviously we're talking about injury prevention, mitigation, right. proactive approaches. Any success stories you can share from previous organizations that you might've worked with, with Life Booster? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one that comes to mind right now, actually there's a couple that come to mind. So one was uh, with a uh, Fortune 25 manufacturer and they had a issue on one of their main assembly lines that was costing them roughly $2 million uh, in engineering redesign, as well as the workplace injury claims themselves. And they kept doing design on the latter half of this process on this assembly line. And when we went in, they had five sensor sets and within a day and a half use of those sensor sets, they were able to pinpoint where on the assembly line was actually causing these risks. And it was not where they initially had thought. And uh, this was really insightful that in such a short period of time, an area in the data was pinpointing, you know, a severe problem. So at that point, uh, there were athletic trainers that uh, were being utilized to uh, develop better, uh, better training and process adjustments, and also just making sure that people were actually setting themselves up at the workstation appropriately, because it was a very repetitive job. You had to be in a sustained uh, forward flexion forward bend you know i mean it was um it was a a tough job on the body and so we were able to go in there and after they had implemented that intervention strategy we did another assessment to see a the adherence to the actual training program and also the risk reduction and we had a risk reduction of about 76 percent for uh, back uh risk as well as 20 or 28 percent uh risk reduction for shoulder strain as well Um, so that was, that was a huge, huge, uh, win there and in such a short period of time as well. Uh, and then also working with, um, you know, a, a fleet services, uh, group to do automobile, um, services, um, you know, using the data to understand what the drivers were having to, uh, effectively, uh, deal with on a day-to-day basis. And we, we cross-correlated our data with some of their, uh, internal data around, you know, the truck life, um, a life of service, as well as the tenure of the employees. And we found that the younger or the newer employees were typically driving the older broken down trucks. Uh, and what had happened, uh, what had been developed here is uh, we worked with uh, one of our partners in um, uh, in uh, rehabilitation and injury prevention uh, to develop training programs to help uh, make sure that the, the individual workers were actually able to uh, understand the risks that they're presented with, do the stretching programs, uh, make sure that they are you know, prepared for the work because as soon as they stop the car and they have to go out and do heavy manual labor of changing a battery or changing a tire or whatever the case may be, you know, they've been sitting in a car or driving for an extended period of time and their muscles are getting uh, sore and tight. So building out the programs that are going to help them reduce the risk. But another piece that came from it is actually the uh, identification that the seats themselves were creating, you know, improper postures. And uh, the company is now looking at the implementation of um, a lumbar support and things like that. And I believe they've already started to do that as well in those cars and maybe rotate the cars around a little bit. So the, the new, the newer workers aren't just getting injured. 
That's great. So it, it sounds like from this data, you can, you can get information on how to take both a behavioral approach, but also a modification to the environment or the equipment approach as well. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's a, a big piece that we're learning right now. Our, our analytics can be very useful in new product innovation. Um, you know, we helped inform the, the development. Uh, it's still, still early in that, but the development of extendable signaling batons for a fortune 100 airline, where oh. we noticed that the ramp agents, the baggage handlers, they're out on the ramp, they're ushering planes in, they're having to go inside of a baggage uh, hold and, and awkward postures. But when they're ushering the planes in, they're having to hold their arms straight up in the air for an extended period of time. And that creates impingement and all these things. And then those individuals would have to go in and move all these heavy, awkward bags in a tight, confined space. And so there's actually an increased risk to shoulder. So they're looking at, instead of these little batons that are held straight above their head, they'd have an extendable baton that they would just move you can't really see me but move move uh, side by side uh so that they are maintaining more of a, a neutral posture um yeah it's it's a huge uh, area that we're focused on is this new product innovation and, and testing job aids as well that's cool that's cool and uh, obviously everyone's seen those ramp agents at uh, on the tarmac at the airport with those lovely orange cones and it's it's funny because you think about all these job tasks and equipment that people use and it's you just assume okay this is how it's been done this is how we'll continue to do it but it sounds like with this technology you can really figure or you can just really delve deeper into it and and come up with some solutions sir this is how we've always done it but why can't we modify it to make things easier to mitigate risks Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, the, that's another piece to it. It's like, as practitioners that are going out there and delivering these services, you know, you're one individual, right? And so if we can, you can still do those, those assessments and have that, that visual audit happening to really understand the task. But then you can also expand by putting the sensors out on multiple people conducting those same tasks and get, you know, a larger sample size for a longer period of time. And then we can cross-correlate the data and see, hey, what's a common thread across all of these workers, which was a big, big piece of the, um, the ramp agents uh, project. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We found that every single one of them had that, that fatigue in the shoulder. So. And like you said, too, about that, um, that fleet organization where you mentioned something about the younger workers being more prone to injury and you actually being able to delve that deep into the data and determine who's at greater risk, whether they're you know, older or younger or less experienced, more experienced, what have you. What other sorts of you know, data points are you able to map out? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, privacy is a, is a big thing that we need to be taking into consideration here. So we actually have the, the anonymous mode where it strips away all the personal information, which I think is really important to mention. Mm -hmm. um, but what we're able to do is we can go from a full overarching view of an organization, whether they're a smaller local company to a global organization where you can see all the various sites uh, and the risks, the more, more prominent risks within that workplace, uh, all the way down to an individual specific joint, right? So uh, we, can, we can go down and, and say, Joel, we know that your uh, left shoulder is, is at highest risk because of the task that you're doing. And that's really important. So we, we try not to take any personal information like height or weight or anything like that that can you know, pinpoint a person. Mm -hmm. um, however, there are companies who have uh, 
they've got sign off and consent from the employees to, to do that so that they can do further analyses and dive deeper in. And, and that's where we can start to cross correlate the data that's being captured by the company as well as what we're bringing into our platform. Uh, but we look at everything right now. So talked about awkward postures, overexertion, repetitive strain. Uh, we look at vibration as well uh, to for hand arm vibration. And then uh, we have the ability to look at heat stress as well. And the unrecorded, and this is a big one, the near misses, if you will, of slips, trips, and falls. Oh. So these types of things are really important as well because a lot of, when we think about industry, uh, there's not a lot of communication around, oh, I, you know, I had this little slip or, you know, I felt this tweak. It's, um, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, more of this macho mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Of, you know, where you don't want to necessarily share. Um, around the health and safety side. So we provide another means of communicating uh, this type of information to the health and safety team so that they can truly act and create a safer place. That's great. So you're kind of a, you know, you're, you're a consulting firm, but you're also non-biased, kind of non-partisan as well. And I like what you said about um, maintaining worker confidentiality and respecting the worker. Because I know when, you know, again, I do half my job is workplace consultation and and going into large workplaces um, in multi-union environments can be challenging. Sometimes it can be challenging to get buy-in. Here's okay. So a little bit about me. I was, uh, I worked as a truck driver on and off for Vancouver general hospital for about 10 years. Okay. Now I did that full-time for a few years and I did it part-time while I was in school. This is before I became an OT. And underneath VGH, there are tunnels, okay, interconnecting all of the different buildings. It's actually pretty cool. And there's these little cars, these tow motors that drive throughout the tunnels and you cart supplies, you hitch up wagons, what have you, you're delivering supplies throughout the tunnels. And there was this air of, well, just, I'd say discontent amongst the workers in this environment. And whenever, whenever I would be in the tunnels or other workers would be in the tunnels and we'd see our supervisor, the manager, speaking with someone who we didn't know, like speaking with someone who was in a, a, a business suit or, or, or a right. skirt or something <laughs> like that, there was always this mentality that that individual in that suit or you know, in that skirt or what have you, um, you know, this white collar-ish type person for lack of a better word, was always some sort of a spy. And they were out to get, and they were out to get us, and they were out to make us do more work or or fire us or what have you. Um, yeah. And it simply wasn't the case. There was just this mentality about that. And so, you know, fast forward to me being an occupational therapist. Now, I guess I'm that guy in the suit. You know, I, I'm that guy going into workplaces and consulting. And quite often, I do get a lot of pushback from other workers, the people who I'm, you know, hanging out with all day long, asking questions, taking measurements on. Um, and it, it, it's, it's interesting because um, there's this mentality that, you know, I'm, I'm, again, trying to get them to do more work or trying to get them to slip up or spying on them when in reality, I'm really just trying to make their job a little bit safer. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have any experience with that as well from your end of things? Yeah, you know, it was, it was really important from day one to design this with workers, for the workers, right? I mean, that is, if you don't get buy-in, you're you're screwed, right? We're, it was really important for us to, to make sure that we are uh, educating and making sure that we are taking all the feedback as, as much as possible. But yeah, I've, I've been on sites where, um, you know, I've got, even I'm wearing jeans, 
I've got uh, I've got my steel toes on. I've but I've got a shirt tucked in, and I've got a, a sports jacket on. Oh, Even that bit of formality, and you're just kind of, they're kind of like, oh, what's what's happening here, right? So, um, but you know, we've what one of the things that uh, our team really prides ourselves in is the repu- uh, the relationships that we're building with our clients and our partners. Uh, it's so important to to not seem like an outsider again for a lack of a better term um you know like really embracing the cultures that you're going into because yeah these union environments they can they can be tough they're they're dirty they're gritty they're uh they're really difficult jobs and you know and, and i empathize I've, I've worked in those environments i've worked in warehousing and construction and and it's just you know you you have to understand where the the employees are coming from and um be able to to address it and speak speak with them right and and understand what are what do they want right because they're probably i would say the number one most important um you know contributor to this because the data is coming from them right Mm -hmm. and yes we're looking at musculoskeletal um issues and that's personal to the individual but we also are expanding our platform to take in environmental considerations as well which affect the entirety right so whether it's gas exposures or radiation or particulate, whatever the case may be, these are things that affect the entire team. And if we can start to support the entire team and create that cohesiveness and that, that build that culture of safety and, and support for one another, which they already do in their, in their own right. So we're, um, we, we're trying to live and breathe that culture as well with how we deliver our services. So important. And, and like you said, for, for buy-in and developing that rapport and everything. And, you know, my experience is working some more of these laborious type jobs growing up um, have been absolutely invaluable in going in as a consultant into workplaces and, and, and dealing and treating clients um, who work in these jobs. I had a client about, I had a client about five years ago um, and he was a garbage man. And he was a truck driver. Okay. And half the time when I was at BGH, I was dealing with garbage. And I remember him saying to me, he's like, oh, you, you have no idea what it's like to drive trucks. And I'm like, well, actually I kind of do. And he's like, well, you have no idea what it's like to handle garbage. And I'm like, man, I've been knee deep in garbage many, many times. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's always the case. And I'm not saying I knew exactly what his job was or had the exact yeah. same experiences, but it is helpful though. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, you, you know, you hear it, know your audience, right? And it plays into so many parts of our lives. And, and this is one of them, right? You're, you're working with, with crews. You're working with people who are working very difficult jobs. And if you have the experience, man, that helps out so much. But also just being understanding and empathetic around it as well. And being like, you know what? I, I, I see I'm learning. From, I want to learn from you, right? Just as they're learning from me, I want to learn from them as well, right? Uh, especially if I don't know that industry. And, and we've, we've gone into a bunch of industries that I have I don't know about and we learn so much and I feel that uh, uh, our team and, and those who we're working with have just really supported us in building that culture of understanding and um, for the workers. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. I mean, you're going, you're going into it with this, you know, breadth of knowledge and expertise, but also, totally. you know, keeping yourself in check about what, you know, what you know and what you don't know and, and oh. trying to get as curious as possible about the individual and about what their concerns are and about what their job tasks involve. Exactly. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you had worked some other, you know, jobs that were a little bit more laborious and, and I, I will question what's your, what's your education? What's your background? How did it lead into this? Good question. 
so one of the things that in my life, I've, I've always loved to wear multiple hats and be creative and try new things. So I've, I've worked in everything from investment banking to <laughs> the healthcare industry to warehousing and construction. And, uh, you know, on, on the warehousing side, you know, I was working in that, uh, with uh, my dad's company, actually. Uh, you might not want me to be saying this, but since I was about 10 years old, you know, wow. child labor. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was working in that warehouse from a, a very young age, uh, all the way up until I was 18. And, um, you know, there is uh, my background in education. I was always, I've always wanted to be helping people. So I just had this need or just want to go into the healthcare world. So I went through um, biomedical sciences at uh, University of Victoria and University of Toronto. Okay. And uh, from there, I said, okay, my path forward is to become a doctor. And uh, I've been working, I've been playing sports. And uh, that was a big part of my life and playing like junior varsity and things like that. And, uh, you know, really understanding the, the body. And so from there, I ended up traveling around the world. And it was when I was in Nepal that I decided that I didn't want to be a doctor anymore. And that's when I came back to Vancouver and got into investment banking. And that's when I learned more about business. I took business from my parents as well. And then, um, you know, just through overseeing health and safety in various industries, I was even in the restaurant industry for a long period of time, bartending and operations management and things like that. And, uh, you know, you, when you get a little bit of exposure to the health and safety of these various environments, you notice trends across them and, and the different needs. And one of those needs was just a lack of visibility into why these injuries were happening. And, right. uh, it was, it, going back to the comment you made earlier, it's extremely reactive. And what measures can we put in place to create that safer environment? So that, all of, all of my experience kind of led to where we are today. You know, the investment banking world, I learned the art of the deal, if you will. Uh, you know what I mean? And then <laughs> in these uh, others, it was... Are you endorsing that book, Brian? No. <laughs> I, okay. listen, I, to be honest, have not read that book. But, um, you know, that was, that was where I learned some key, uh, you know, business processes that helped to you know, formulate the development of this company. Uh, but then taking all of my other experiences and, and bringing them together, my background in biomedical sciences, that was extremely important in, in driving towards this injury prevention and understanding how the uh, body reacts to various risks and exposures in the world. And, um, and then a lot of customer discovery and market validation, getting out there and talking to people. I spent years speaking with various industries and getting to know the workers and the workforce and the operations uh, so that we could deliver a solution that uh, people would find useful and would want. Mm -hmm. uh, but always it, with that mindset around being proactive and getting the right information, reliable data, that's, that's key uh, so that we can truly transform an industry uh, for health and safety. That's interesting. So it's a combination of obviously your education, your background, and interests, um, experiences. You, you mentioned as well, uh, you were in Nepal. What, what was that? Were you volunteering there? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I went on a but a year-long trip around the world, uh, working in hospitals, clinics, orphanages, you name it, working in homes for um, uh, teens with disabilities. 
you know, I worked all over the world and I planned to uh, continue that and go for about two years, but uh, I ran out of money when I got to Europe. Uh, <laughs> a little bit more expensive than I thought yeah, it would be. Most and, do uh, when they get to Europe. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, but it was, um, it was in Nepal that uh, I, was, I was living in a small little town uh, in the Chitwan National Forest and living in, you know, a mud hut pretty well. Mm-hmm. And uh, with an amazing family. And in this little town, there's about, uh, I'd say, 75 people. And I was uh, helping to teach the, the locals English. I was helping out in the, um, the orphanage that was there as well. I was also helping to build a clinic because uh, the clinic there was nothing but, you know, four mud walls. And we turned it into a beautiful three-room uh, clinic that now people who were traveling hours on foot to get to, they could uh, actually have a place to sit inside and, and set about in the rain. Uh, and then also have clean and sterilized uh, medical equipment uh, that came from all over the world. And in support of what we were doing, I was working with uh, a couple of people from Doctors Without Borders, and I was just a volunteer. And it was honestly one of the most um, life-changing experiences for me. And, and it was, it honestly, my decision to, to move away from being a, a doctor, it, it's, it's ridiculous because um, it's very cliche. I'm sitting okay. on the top of these mountains is, you know, of the Himalayas. There's a, um, a temple behind me. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm saying, oh, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I want to like, create my own life here. Anyway, epiphany moment. It's to- yeah, exactly. Good really. for you. That sounds yeah, really think- cool. Yeah, I yeah. did... Uh, I didn't do it for a year, but I was in Uganda for about a month. This is about oh, yeah. eight years ago. And I was actually at an orphanage teaching anatomy classes. Oh, so wow. That was kind of cool. They, you know what? I kind of felt bad for these kids because it was, it was their month of summer break. And <laughs> <laughs> I showed up then. And so they didn't have any actual, you know, standardized formal schooling um, yeah. to, to participate in. So they were just like, heck, yeah, teach what you want. And I was like, okay, let's, hey, you know, the hip bone's connected to the knee bone. Let's go with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool. No, that's a, a good stories about just, again, how your education and experiences has, has shaped this and, and, and led to this. And I want to touch more a little bit about what you mentioned earlier about thermal and how like can this technology can it pick up can it sense heat yeah so so it this is a good question because when we're looking at thermal risk there's various ways you look at it like body actually understanding the core body temperature um we don't do that uh not yet uh but we are looking at uh, temperature and humidity and the various elements that can lead to, you know, uh, people sweating more, right? And then therefore potentially getting dehydrated and things like that. And tying that into workload and, um, uh, you know, just the, the physical activity that somebody is actually conducting throughout the course of their day to give us a measure of heat stress. And so this is a way for us to understand the operations, uh, the American Conference of governmental industrial hygienists. Uh, they have various standards that they use to measure the potential for heat stress. And uh, we take the, we digitize and automate those to allow us to, instead of carrying around a wet bulb globe thermometer and taking samples around a, a warehouse every so often, this will just be automatically done on the individual workers. And we can start to map out, you know, even an indoor environment, 
maybe a company needs to put an air conditioner in a certain area or a fan because this one part of the warehouse is extremely hot and causing a higher potential for heat stress. Interesting. Um, yeah, so that's uh, one of the ways that we look at thermal thermal risk. Very cool. And I mean, it's, I'd imagine this technology, Life Booster and the sensors, is evolving. Um, is, is it getting smarter or yeah is it getting more precise i mean i guess are you guys making it smarter and more precise yeah. yes absolutely yeah so uh it's ever evolving that's the one thing about technology is that you'll have a product one day and then the next day there's something new it just continues to evolve and uh one thing that i'm so proud of our team for is is the creativity around the various you know exposures that we're looking to to capture and how we can capture them and how we can tie them all together and you know, nice data analytics. So yes, it is, it's uh, ever evolving. Um, we're going to be adding the ability to integrate with all of these different types of sensor technologies so that we can address the various uh, workplace risks and exposures. Um, the analytics themselves get smarter and smarter and smarter. You've got artificial intelligence and machine learning and all of these different things that can lead into that predictive capability. So, you know, here's a picture for you. Imagine uh, you're in a workplace and you've got sensors on everybody and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's the probability of, of injuries occurring? Well, hey, I can help to get to a point where I say, Joel, if you continue that motion for the next, you know, two weeks, you have an 85% chance of a rotator cuff injury uh, and it could cost this much. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's gold, right? Like that type of information, it, it allows now safety professionals to be able to prioritize their risk mitigation and things like that. So this is where we are, the industry is moving to be able to really get ahead of these types of um, challenges in the workplace. Right. And are there, for those types of things, like say, you know, you're doing repeated, you're looking at repeated exposure to either environmental stress or repeated movements or what have you, are you basing, um, are you basing risk factors on certain thresholds? Like if you hold this posture for a certain period of time, if you're exposed to this temperature for a certain period of time, that's when you're most at risk? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of standards, uh, injury prevention and assessment standards that have been utilized by you know, health and safety professionals for over 30 years, right? And so it's exactly that. There's certain thresholds that if people are overexerting themselves by, then uh, it leads to a certain severity of risk. And if you can digitize and automate that and quantify it, uh, those risk factors, then you can provide some really uh, great analytics. Very cool. Like if you, if you flip 25 burgers on the grill day after day after day, that <laughs> might be uh, considered one of the barbecue thresholds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in store for you guys going forward? I imagine you guys have you know, a few deals pending and, and, and more workplace analytics. What's, what's on the, what's on the forefront for life booster these days? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot on the go right now, new opportunities that are coming with, um, with the global organizations. I mean, we've COVID-19 has, has really accelerated the safety market. I mean, health and safety is top of mind, being proactive, being preventative. Let's, let's go in and, and um, you know, prevent, you know, the the any new pandemics from spreading further there's everything from um you know finding ways to do the contact tracing and all of that so there's but there's still this need for that presence on site and that mm -hmm. visibility on site because safety professionals are now with these new regulations you can only have a certain number of people on a 
on a shop floor, for example, um, giving them the, the visibility. So really expanding our capabilities on our cloud dashboards, uh, as well as making the user experience that much more seamless through through various methods of uh, attaching the sensors. Uh, we've got uh, some pretty big, big ideas coming down that unfortunately I can't share with you today, but uh, enough. there's uh, some, some large opportunities that we are working towards and we'll be testing out in the, in the coming uh, months here with uh, some of our new uh, global manufacturers and distributors. That's awesome. Good for you. And it's, I, I like what you said about, um, you know, just the importance of still maintaining a presence on site as yeah. well. And it's interesting working in healthcare over the last few months, um, particularly with the huge transition to virtual care. Mm. Um, I, I quite like it. I quite like being able to have that telehealth option. However, it, it is a barrier. It is a barrier. You know, it doesn't replace that face-to-face -face presence that you do get seeing an individual actually across across the room from you. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how well, I mean, technology, healthcare, and safety and injury prevention pans out over the next you know few months and a few years. Oh, yeah. you know, in light of all this. Yeah. Well, you you nailed it. I mean, I find health and safety to be very personal. Um, both from the experience of the individual and their injuries and the risks that they're dealing with, but also between, you know, the individual worker and the consultant or the health and safety professional, whoever. And so for us, um, trying to find new ways to create that presence on site is going to be important. And, you know, you know that telehealth is, is huge right now. So a lot of the service providers have, have implemented this into their operations uh, just so they can maintain at least some sort of visual element, right? So, you know, Zoom and all of those that are that are out there for uh, video conferencing. Um, and that's one of the pieces. I mean, a lot of the service providers that we are wanting to partner with or partnering with, they are looking at how they can still get that presence and feel like they are on site, um, getting the information that they need. And that's what we're enabling is, is that that piece of the presence and then they'll have the telehealth to get visibility you know further visibility into like the individual experience so um we just provide it in a, in a different manner through uh through wearable technologies and data analytics very cool love it thanks brian um just being aware of the time here where can people go if they want to find out more information about life booster your products and your services or, or more information about yourself yeah, absolutely. So we have our website, which is www.lifebooster.ca. Uh, that's our primary. We're going to be redoing the website uh, in short order here. So look forward to that. Uh, and then we are more active on our LinkedIn. So if you just type in Life Booster Inc., you'll come across uh, our page there. And we'll be expanding, uh, you know, in our social media channels. But you'll see... Uh, more content coming out to talk about how to utilize these digital technologies in this new reality, excuse me, new reality that we're living in right now. And uh, yeah, so those would be the primary areas. Otherwise, uh, yeah, email works quite well too. Info at lifebooster.ca. <laughs> Info at lifebooster.ca. And I will okay. include uh, the website and the LinkedIn link in the show notes of this. Brian Statham, thanks again so much. Always enjoy chatting with you. And um, uh, again, thanks so much for joining me on the Health Lab. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. You as well. There you have it, folks. Great time talking to Brian Statham today. Really cool to hear about Life Booster itself and, again, what it what it provides and who it's for and even about Brian himself, too, and how his education and experiences really have influenced, you know, his approach to, to injury management and, and the direction that his life and career have 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 taken. Um, not only again is is Brian well trained in business and and healthcare, he's also an experienced burger flipper as well. Stay tuned for episode seven. It is featuring Tracy Dignam. Tracy is a very interesting individual. She's a physiotherapist by trade. But she's also a mindfulness practitioner. So I'm really gonna really gonna get curious about, you know, how she kind of marries the two disciplines together in order to create outcomes, positive outcomes for for her clients and 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 those she interacts with on on an ongoing basis. So stay tuned for that. Until then, enjoy the weather. Stay happy, stay healthy, folks.